0: Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We continue our study in the book of Revelation, and today we're looking at the letter to the church in Sardis. It begins with Revelation chapter 3, and I'll begin by reading the first three verses. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works. You have the name of being alive and you are dead. Awake and strengthen what remains and is on the point of death for I have not found your works perfect in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep that and repent. If you will not awake, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. Three things should immediately catch our attention in this letter to the church at Sardis. The very first thing is the identity of Jesus. And actually, this principle of finding the identity of Jesus is one of the keys to the entire book of Revelation. We're going to see that in a very glowing way when we get to Revelation chapter 4. We've already seen it in chapter 1. And the identity of Jesus is he, he is the one with the seven spirits of God. That is a way in apocalyptic literature of saying, I'm the one with the Holy Spirit to bestow on the seven churches or the angels of the seven churches. So the identity of Jesus, the one bestowing the Spirit upon the church. The second thing that should just grab our attention is what's not said. That's the hardest thing to hear sometimes, the things that aren't said in the letter to Ephesus, the letter to Smyrna, the letter to Pergamum, and the letter to Thyatira, it all begins, they have corrections, but it all begins with a commendation. Yeah, this is what you're doing right. And then there's a correction. Well, guess what? When it comes to the church at Sardis, there's no commendation at all. It's simply correction. And then the third thing is that Sardis was a Catholic church in the first century that was spiritually dead, but they fit right in with the culture. Hmm. Ever have problems like that today? You know what's so remarkable? Depending how you date the book of Revelation, but on the conservative end, uh, there's difference of opinion, but what's so remarkable, here's a church that's only 40 to 60 years old, and it's spiritually dead. And combined with that, I would say this is maybe even worse than being spiritually dead. They imagined that everything was just vibrant and full of life and everything was fine. It it says in the text, you have a name of being alive. You know, their self-perception was that it's all fine. And Jesus saying, I'm about to come upon you in judgment. Coming like a thief is an apocalyptic term where Jesus comes on the world at the end of times and judges it. He says, I'm going to come that way upon the church unless you repent and wake up from the danger you are in. But they weren't aware that they were in danger. They thought they were doing fine. One of my life experiences that actually has helped me as a Catholic is during my years as a Protestant, I began a lot of my pilgrimage in an Assemblies of God college, and a lot of the students that I went to school with were third-generation Assemblies of God. The Assemblies of God are not that old. Um, basically, it was a renewal movement growing out of the Wesleyan movement and then of the Wesleyan holiness movement, and the founders were very spiritually vibrant. And their parents seemed to be carrying the torch and that second generation were like my professors, the president of the college, who I became very close to. And he shared with me his concern is that that the flame seemed to be flickering in the third generation, and this was a Pentecostal, which a Pentecostal renewal movement, which you would think this is the flame. You know, you uh, the Pentecostals try to keep the flame of the Spirit alive, trying to be spiritually vibrant, and yet here it was confided to me a, a very deep concern for the third generation. Well, the same thing was going on in the Catholic Church in Sardis. Keeping spiritual vitality is a challenge for the church in any century. And to simply blow off this concern is a huge mistake, because here is a church, unlike the other churches we've we've studied so far, this is the church that Jesus comes just down on. There's no words of encouragement for what they're doing right. They have a great reputation that they've given themselves, but their inside, their their life, their vitality is gone. And so, you know, we're trying to apply this to our lives, and, you know, prophecy isn't just glazing in a crystal ball. Prophecy, if it's done right, would have the effect to awaken us, exactly what Jesus says to the church in Sardis. So, you might not get the best um, (laughs) polling results from somebody who gives a true and accurate prophetic message because people don't always like to hear these things. If I was in the church of Sardis, I wouldn't have liked to have heard this letter. And by the way, these letters were read to all seven churches. So the neighboring churches, they weren't that far away, uh, you know would would see what Jesus thought of a church that thought very highly of itself. and it was shocking. So what about the Catholic Church today and particularly I'm thinking in America? I'm not going to go through a litany, but you could Google uh, Pew Research, and they have a summary entitled, Key Findings About American Catholics. Personally, when I read it again yesterday, it could cause one to weep. Uh, I think if you ask for certain assessments, particularly from some of our leaders, they would give, you know, great vitality in their reports to the Pope when they go to Rome and all that type of thing but an actual polling of what's going on with Catholics, even Catholics who regularly attend Mass, there's enough there to make you weep. And then there's Russell Shaw, who has worked for the USCCB. He's written for any number of Catholic periodicals over the years, worked for the Catholic bishops. He's written a book entitled American Church, and here's what he says. Assimilation into a secular culture whose values conflict with the values of their religious tradition, has seriously eroded the Catholic identity of many American Catholics. Now, we're having second thoughts about assimilation, but the second thoughts come awfully late. So, what's a concerned Catholic to do? Well, you could always jump ship and go down the street to the Church of What's happening now? They'll serve Starbucks and have praise bands. But just think, if you really want your family to have a legacy of faith, imagine your children going to a church 50 years from now serving Starbucks and praise bands. They're gonna say, what in the world is Starbucks? We want energy drinks, and they'll probably kind of uh, be a little bit rebellious and revert from praise bands to classical music or something. I was a pastor. I was ordained in a church in a community. It was the church of what's happening now. It was very vibrant. It it, it just it, you know at the time I thought it was the the church of what the Holy Spirit was working in in our town. And then when the church tried to come up with a structure, uh, it just blew up. It was like a nuclear bomb went off, and it was literally the worst experience of my entire life. So. Even though the church of what's happening now might look uh, very attractive, they will go through the same growing pains that the Catholic Church went through 2,000 years ago and hopefully learned a lot of lessons from. Uh, Do you really want to put yourself in that place? I really think the answer to the church in Sardis and the answer to the church in the United States, because I think in many ways we have great estimation of ourselves and our self-descriptions. I'm not sure if Jesus would have the same estimation. So what do you do? You go back to the first thing we focus on in this letter. Jesus is the one who has the seven spirits, the Holy Spirit, and he's concerned for the church, and he can provide for the church. And in a church like Sardis, and maybe some places for the church today that's spiritually dead, we just flip back to the Old Testament to Ezekiel 37. And God gives Ezekiel this vision of dry bones. I just went there this morning. It, you know, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, do you get this? It, it says there were very many dry bones, and the bones were very dry. And then God asks Ezekiel, can you do anything about this? Can these dry bones live, Ezekiel? And Ezekiel couldn't answer because I'm sure he doubted it. But, you know, he says, only you know, Lord. And, And then he prophesied to the breath, the wind, the breath, and the spirit, all the same word in Hebrew. And the Holy Spirit comes upon these very many, very dry bones, and they come to life. So what are we to make of this? I would suggest two things. First, uh, traditionalist Catholics who are nice folks, Catholic intellectuals who are nice folks, uh, doctrinally solid Catholic priests who are great folks, give some generous space to the charismatic renewal because without that inner spiritual vitality, doctrinal correctness can easily become dead orthodoxy. I know when I was a pastor, sometimes people would ask me, uh, what cemetery did you attend? And rather than correcting them, I just took, (laughs) took it as a, maybe I ought to brush up on my preaching a bit. What cemetery did you attend? Okay, so the traditionalists make room for the charismatic renewal, but the charismatic renewal, I would suggest it's time to mature and balance a bit. This might sound like new news, but not everyone in the world is an extrovert who likes playing a tambourine or dancing in the spirit. Um, I have shocked charismatic leaders, Catholic charismatic leaders, when I said Pope Benedict is a type of Catholic charismatic. Yes, he's a quiet intellectual who loves classical music. If you read his writings about the inner lives of the saints, just take uh, Simeon the new theologian, probably the charismatic around 1,000, year 1,000, extraordinary. It would take a man who had that type of spiritual vitality to describe it, and somebody who lived a 1,000 years ago. Read his homilies to the young people in World Youth Day at Sydney. Only somebody who knows, and yet, this has totally escaped charismatic leaders in the United States, and it was interesting is that as a young pastor, I was just, wasn't even ordained a year, I had the opportunity to preach in a large charismatic church in the middle of London. And after I was done, the hosting pastor said, you are not like most Americans, and he stopped. I said, no, go ahead. He says, well, they come here, will wear loud sport coats, tell a lot of jokes, and they're kind of boisterous, but it's just a lot of fluff. And It's an American phenomenon, and we can balance that with some doctrinal correctness, the charismatics, and some basic um, lack of hype so that we can together have the live orthodoxy that the church needs so much so Christ doesn't come like a thief. I'm Steve Wood, your host. You've been listening to Episode 70 of Luke 21 Radio.